It's not enough to build your brand, but you also need to protect it as well. Raise those pinkies because in today's episode, we're talking all about how to protect your brand online. Presented by Advertise Mint. The Duke of Digital will guide you through the rapidly changing landscape of digital marketing, social media, and how to grow your business online. To submit a question for the show, text 323-821-2044 or visit dukeofdigital.com. If you need an expert to fix your ads, the friendly team at Advertise Mint is ready to help. Visit advertisement, that's M-I-N-T, dot com or call 844-236-4686 to grow your business. Here's your host, Brian Miet. All right, we have in the studio today, Thibaut Clement, the CEO and co-founder of Loomly. Hi, and nice to meet you. Thank Thanks you so much me. for being here today. Um, I'm. Uh, this is a topic that I think is incredibly important today, uh, which is we're talking about how to protect your brand online. Uh, and you come with uh, a fantastic back background because you are the CEO and co-founder of Loomly, uh, which is a platform where social media teams can collaborate, collaborate, publish, and measure all in one platform. That's correct. Yes. Uh, awesome. I'm doing good, huh? Yeah. Um, you know, what I, what I thought was fascinating is you built the framework for Loomly while working with your own clients, and you were like, there isn't anything that does exactly what we need to have done. And so you just built it for yourself and eventually decided to launch it and let other people use it. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, you, you got your, your facts pretty straight. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's actually, you know, a, a fun story. So my wife, Noemi and I, we've been working together for eight years now. And Lumly is actually the fourth company that we are building together. And so a few years ago, you know, the previous company that we had was actually, I think, pretty similar to what you guys do. Uh, we had an advertising agency. We were working in France with big clients like L'Oreal, but also here in the US with more startups. Uh, and all of these clients, they had one thing in common, which was or one process that we had for them you know, uh, in common. It was that we had to prepare what you call editorial plannings or editorial calendars for them. And I'm pretty sure you're familiar with that. It's basically, yep. we are talking here about a spreadsheet with a list of Facebook posts or ads or these kind of things. And you would present them like, you know, uh, the image and the copy and you would ask them for their approval and you would have to go, you know, through a lot of back and forth over oh. email. So uh, we figured that was probably some kind of uh, under-optimized process. And so we, we looked for a way to basically, you know, improve that process and we didn't find anything. So back in 2015, I just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not an engineer. I just learned everything on my own. And so basically we started building that product just for us. And we started using it with our clients. We did not tell them it was our own product because we wanted some honest feedback and not, you know, like just a bat in the back. And they actually loved it. Um, and so, you know, a couple of months later, we just uh, opened it up in public beta to see if other agencies would like it. And, and today it's, it's, it's pretty crazy because we, we basically serve uh, over 4,000 clients around the world. Uh, agencies are about 20% of our clients yeah. and, and brands uh, make up the other 80%. So it's it's pretty incredible story. And, and from this very simple utility, you know, that started as like just a simple collaboration tool to replace spreadsheets, it has evolved into a, um, what we call a, a full-fledged uh, brand success platform where you can manage your entire content publishing process um, from you know managing your assets to creating content 
reviewing and approving everything with your clients or your yeah. team, which is probably you know the core of what we do, and then scheduling and responding to comments that you receive on yep. social media and and then measuring everything. Oh yeah, I, I would say you know looking back in my life, the number of different uh, sizes and shapes of the spreadsheets or the ways that people teams are trying to collaborate. Uh, is out of control when I think back to be like, man, some of those were really rough uh, in different processes. And so anytime that you can streamline uh, and get uh, a simpler process is going to help you be more efficient because really what you want to be doing is the work to be done efficiently, not all the work to be done on trying to figure out how spreadsheets are working and what's what's going on from there. Now, can you, uh, you know, I think a lot of our listeners might be familiar with, you know, some of the social media tools like, you know, Hootsuite or Social Spot or later, you know, what kind of sets Loomly apart from some of those? Yeah, it's, it's an excellent question. So actually when we were an agency and when we decided to build Loomly, we were actually using all those tools that you are mentioning because those tools are in a way what we can call schedulers. Yeah. So you would come to this platform with your content already ready, prepared, approved. And what you would do is let's say you go to, let's say Hootsuite and you just, you know, paste in your, the copy into the copy field. Yeah. You will upload your creative and then they will schedule it for you. And that's great. I mean, that's great. That's why they are one of the biggest companies out there. Um, but the problem is how do you come up with that? Like, you know, this is the hard part. This is what the spreadsheet is here for or was here for. Yep. It's basically, we have to put together like a nice asset. We have to draft a copy. Uh, we have to put all of that together and, and give a way for the person who is going to approve it to basically see what it's going to look like. And then, you know, only then when it's approved, then you can schedule it. And so that's how we started. Our product was essentially just that part. The first version was just basically what we call a simple CRUD application yep. where you could just upload content, someone else could, could see it and then say, yes, it's a go for me. And that was it. And then, of course, we, you know, it made sense to kind of, you know, cover the entire publishing process, meaning once the content is approved, why don't you publish it? And then, you know, why don't you respond to comments? And then why don't you basically measure uh, with analytics? So that's how we started. And that's what is very specific about Loomly is that we are not a scheduler with, you know, collaboration features. We are a marketing collaboration platform that happened to have scheduling features. Added on down the road. Exactly. Oh, I love it. Okay, so that's the core of, of yeah. what Loomly does. Um, before we jump into today's topic, I heard an internet rumor that you traveled the world for a full year. Is that correct? Yes, yes. You really have your, uh, <laughs> your facts straight. Yeah. No. Yeah. It was a, it was a crazy project uh, I did back in 2011 and 12 with my spouse Noemi. So you uh -huh. know, we go way back and we basically do everything uh, together. And so yeah, we traveled around the world for one year. Um, we spent basically one month in each city that we visited. So we were for five months in Asia, then we went two months in Australia, and then two months here in the US and three months in, in South America. And what we were doing was basically, um, we we're not trying to really backpack or, you know, just what we wanted to do is basically live the life that you, you would have if you were actually settling in that city. And so we were, uh, you know, renting Airbnbs and we were just basically going, you know, grocery shopping. Um, and, and we met like tons of entrepreneurs because I was, um, basically, you know, doing some interviews for a very famous French magazine called L'Express. Um, and so I was interviewing them and, and trying to understand what's going on in their ecosystem and, you know, what's specific about, you know, 
yeah, what's going on in their city and their country and, and what can we learn as outsiders? And I mean, for a guy from France who had studied in Canada, I mean, learning about, you know, what's going on in China was pretty amazing or in South Korea and in Australia and, and even in even Brazil. So um, that was, you know, a terrific experience. And it actually led to basically everything we do now because uh, one of the things that we did is we actually built our first business with Noemi. Uh, it was a very funky business, if you think about it, because it was basically a candy subscription business. Okay. So what we would do was we would buy candy where we were and then, you know, ship them all over the world uh, to people who basically couldn't buy candy from Japan or from Australia. And so it was a completely bootstrap business because we like to say that we actually started it with minus $200 on our bank account. Yeah. Uh, and we were basically buying the candy over, you know, and... and with the money of the pre-orders. So that was it's like cool. the, the black market for kids. Like they're kind like, of, yeah, yeah, kind of, like, yeah, yeah. I always think it's fascinating when I travel to see how, how different, you know, candy or sodas are or that you're like, man, I've never heard of any of these or things that are completely different. One of my, I uh, went to school in Australia and down there, everyone loves Tim Tams. Yeah. Which are like these little chocolate things, but they would, bite off the top and the bottom and drink milk through them. And it kind of goes through it and it goes through the, the chocolate outing like a straw. But, you know, you get back to the States and there's no Tim Tams everywhere, anywhere. So um, I, that's, what a fantastic idea. Uh, that, yeah, that, that's correct what you say. Like there are so many other things that, you know, because you take everything you have for granted, right? Yeah. But you, you can't figure out that there are different things going on on the other side of the world. And I think it's just super eye-opening. And, and, you know, when I said that this is kind of, you know, this experience led to what we're doing today, it's, it's very true because, so we ended up selling the candy subscription business because it, it basically got some traction in France in the media. And then what happened is because of that, like, you know, many people around us starting to come to us and say, hey, can you help us do the same thing? And so that's how we ended up building the agencies. <laughs> and so from the agencies, we had this problem where we had to use spreadsheets. And so this is how we ended up building Loomly. So all of that is kind of interconnected. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. So the, the moral of the story is go travel the world for a year. <laughs> yeah, it's well, yeah, I think it's that's part of it. But it's also just, you know, like do things because uh, that's that's one of the lessons that I've learned is, is that, you know, when you are considering a project, whatever yeah. it is, uh, around the world trip or like a new business, you can probably have a good idea of what it will look like if it works. You can have a good idea of what it will look like if it doesn't work. <laughs> so let's say, you know, opportunities and risk. But there is one thing that is probably impossible to foresee. It's basically all these new opportunities that is going to open for you. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's kind of like, you know, the, the butterfly effect. You just have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's very cool. Like if you want to have even another example of, of what happened during this uh, this trip, which was pretty pretty funny. Uh, so one of the things that happened is, as I said, I was I was writing these articles for for Express, uh -huh. and I ended up being in New York, and I thought you know uh, it could be cool to uh, get in touch with Seth Godin. Okay, yeah, and, you yeah, know, sure, cool. Uh, so I just you know I reached out to him. He basically says, hey, uh, you know, why don't you get in touch with uh, my French publisher? So I get in touch with his French publisher. We set up an interview. I go to his. Um, to his office. Um, then we do the interview, we publish the article, and then, you know, her, his publisher basically says, it's like, how come? Like, what are you doing? Like, how, how, how come you're in New York writing for Express? So I explained, you know, everything I just, I just explained uh -huh. to you. 
And then she says, well, that's pretty interesting. I think we should write a book about that. And I was like, <laughs> what, what are you talking about? And then we ended up publishing a book about that. So, you know, kind of because Noemi and I went around the world, then we decided to kind of, you know, reach out to Seth Godin, then yeah. he introduced us to the publisher, and then we got a book deal. I mean, that's pretty insane when you think about it. Oh, yeah. You never know what hustle can, what doors hustling can open or... Like I always say this is that everything can change in a moment and you just, you've got to keep pushing forward, pushing forward. And you never know when that tipping point will happen, when a door will open or even something that you would never even expect um, would, uh, would open an opportunity will come your way that wouldn't have had you not gone down that path. So man, it's just fantastic to hear your story. Well, I want to transition into, you know, the, the topic of today, which is, you know, building and, and ultimately protecting your brand. And I think, you know, in the days of, of digital, it's, you know, very easy for people to start companies, to start to build brands. Um, and so there's an element of building them up. And then there's also an element of protecting them. And I think that's something that a lot of people, you know, they know, yeah, I know I need to go post and, and do things to grow. But when it comes to protecting the brands, I think a lot of people don't really have the tools or understand what they need to do for that. So I wanted to run through some of those topics. Can you walk us through kind of in your mindset, what is the process of kind of beginning to build a brand and what businesses should be doing in terms of that online? Yeah, no, of course. Um, so what, what I'm going to share is, is probably, you know, it's, it's basically based on, on the data that we, that we have from all 4,000 customers. So uh, it's, it's pretty interesting to see, you know, what successful brands are doing out there. Um, so the first thing, and, and it's kind of, you know, one of the things that we've noticed, and it's, it's kind of, a, of the premise of, of everything we think about these days is that, uh, like you said, today with the digital, anyone can start a business, can start, you know, a Shopify store and can like have an Instagram account. Um, but because of that, or, or even like, you know, like make product available on, on Amazon, because of that, you know, competition is pretty fierce um, and there are more and more counterfeit products. I mean, it just happens. Uh, it happened to someone in my team recently who, who bought something on Amazon and it turned out to be a counterfeit product. So what is interesting is that, you know, with more and more brands beginning or, you know, launching, the problem is no longer like how do you how do you start a business? It's, it's really how do you actually maintain it and, and grow it? And, and we think that, you know, actually building a strong brand is probably your best um, element of defensiveness in this day because it's what is going to protect you against your competition, you know, someone doing the same thing as you, or even, again, counterfeit products because people will, people yeah. will want the real thing and, and or even substitutes. They won't go for the cheaper option because they want, you know, the real thing. They want to be part of your, of your brand or your story. So that's kind of, you know, the premise uh, of, of what we think and what we do at, at Loomly. Um, and so we think that building the brand is, is actually very important to actually build the business and protect the business. Uh, and, and so there are many things that we, that we see these days, but uh, I would say that there are four best practices that okay. we see from the most successful, successful brands out there. Number one, we see that, you know, there is a lot of collaboration behind the scenes. Uh, in the early days of social media, um, we had a lot of, of, you know, like it was kind of the rise of social media managers. So uh, it was kind of a new job, a new responsibility, and yep. it would probably be one person in the office kind of, you know, overlooking social media. What we see now is that even in smaller companies, 
it's no longer the case. We have many people involved in the you know the social media content publishing process. Uh, we have, of course, a social media manager, but we have also other people from marketing, people from product, people from sales, even people from HR, because you also want to build like an employer brand, which is yep. kind of another part of um, of building a brand. Uh, and, and even sometimes, you know, in bigger companies, we, we have companies that are kind of, you know, publicly listed. So we even have companies where the CFO actually takes part in the process because they want to make sure that, you know, you are not putting on social media something that is going to affect stock price. Mm -hmm. and, and again, like this is kind of the famous example that we give very often, but you probably know the famous CEO of a famous uh, electric car manufacturer <laughs> who exactly, tweeted, yeah. and, and basically that affected the, you know, the company. And, and it, so that's kind of the thing today is that you know, building the brand involves like having many more people you know, taking part into the process. So yep. That's number one. That was a long part, but that was number no, I, one. No, I love it, yeah. Um, another thing that we, that we see is that you know, social media is a lot about and, and, and the digital era and, and brand in general is all about telling your story, telling your brand story. Yep. And that's all about, you know, having content that is on brand. I mean, that's obvious, but you know, mm -hmm. you have to be on brand in terms of brand guidelines, in terms of tone of voice and all these things. Um, you also have uh, to be consistent over time. You can't say one thing one day and then the contrary on the next day that would, you know, that would not build your brand uh, authority and, and, and loyalty. Um, and, and you also want to publish relatively consistently over time because okay. you can be there for like a week, then disappear for a month and come back and say, hey, like, I don't understand. I don't have an audience. Well, if you want an audience, then you have to be there for them. Um, so that's the second thing, publish in a consistently and, and consistent yep. content. The third thing is uh, basically respond. Uh, to ah. to people who basically reach out to you, uh, and that that's true, you know, on organic content. But it's also true with what you do. Uh, I think your company does a lot of advertising, yep. right? I mean, answering the comments on ads yeah. is extremely important. Yep. Uh, not only because, well, you know, it's just your job, but also because you know people may give you some actual interesting feedback. And also, last but not least, because responding to comments actually boosts your engagement, yep. even on ads. So responding to comments, to interactions, and actually interacting with, with your audience is extremely important to build a brand because this is what is going to make the difference between, you know, like uh, I would say just a brand like, like another and a brand with which you are making a connection and you want to uh, spend more time with and, and more, more money with. Uh, so that would be the third thing. And the, the last thing, and uh, again, I'm pretty sure this is something you are very familiar with, but it's basically you have to measure. Uh, that's the beauty of the digital. You have data everywhere along the entire funnel. And so you can know how many, you know, how many impressions you had, how many clicks, how many conversions, and you can see how this evolves and you can use that, you know, as a closed loop marketing strategy to basically improve over time. So if you do those four things, uh, I mean, basically you involve more people in the process, yep. uh, you publish consistently, you respond to comments, and you measure uh, whatever you do, then you have a, like a pretty good chance of building a stronger brand. Oh, I love it. You know, to go back to your example about, you know, responding, uh, you know, from the ad side, we see the cost that people pay for Facebook ads go down anywhere from probably 15 to 30% if you respond to every comment that comes underneath the ad because it, it impacts the algorithm. There's more engagement. You you write back to people, and a lot of times we'll answer their question, but then put in another question, and then they write back. And what happens is all that builds underneath ads, um, and that's something that most people have no idea about. 
Exactly. And well, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, it's something that we were discussing like very recently with my team where we've seen some people actually, some brands actually take advantage of that to kind of build that in the ad. Mm -hmm. Meaning, you know, you that's what we call trickle down ads. Yep. So basically, you know, you would you, you can organize a contest on an ad. You know, you can just say, hey, uh, you can win that if you leave that comment here. Or you can say, this is a QA and a ad. Do you have any question about our product, about our brand? And then, you know, we'll answer everything here. And then what you do is you basically kind of reverse engineer everything and you build that interaction right into the ad. And like you said, that is going to decrease the, the cost per action very significantly. Yeah, oh, for sure. Um, okay, so now what, I, what I'd love to do is to pivot to the protection um, and I think, you know, you you mentioned the Elon Musk story, which, you know, is a, a great example. Now, that came from a CEO that was tweeting that out, but I know he was going right against the SEC and he was calling people out and it caused a huge uproar. Uh, and I think there was a lot of fines that he had to pay for that as well. Um, you know, when it comes to protecting a brand, I mean, it can take years to build one up and it can take a second for a brand to to lose its its you know, voice or its meaning or for people to lose their trust in a brand, um, you know, I, walk us through some of the steps for, you know, how, what other business owners should be doing to ensure that their brand is protected, uh, that it's, you know, something that can last. Uh, and then we can talk about going through, you know, maybe crises or things like that. Yeah. Um, well, there are, there are a couple of things that, you know, you can do. Um, I think the very basic thing that you can do, uh, and that's not even you know part of our product. I'm I'm just giving this as as a piece of advice because I think it's extremely important. It's basically you know setting up some brand monitoring, um, I would say solution. Okay. And that can be you know you can go with like some paid solutions. Sorry, like mention you know uh, that's a, that's a fantastic solution that will kind of crawl the web and and basically you know uh, tell you every single time, you know, your brand name is popping up, but you can actually even do it in a very simple way and, and for free by setting up just a Google alert. Mm -hmm. And you can even have that, you know, kind of um, pushed to you uh, as email or as an RSS feed so that, you know, again, you are notified every single time something is being said about your brand. And that is extremely important because it allows you to, well, first, uh, see when good things happen. And I mean, you know, you should take every win. Yeah. So that's number one. But number two, you can also, you know, kind of see what people say about your brand. Uh, that's kind of your earned media. So you earned it again. So it's uh, you should have access to it. And the third thing is, you know, sometimes things kind of go south. So you want to be able to jump in and say, hey, I'm sorry this happened. Uh, let me figure it out. Uh, because at least, you know, you have a chance to fix things. It was not perfect, but at least, you know, you show that you care and that, you know, shopping with your brand was not a mistake. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, if something goes wrong, you are here. Uh, and that's part of the brand, right? The brand is basically some reassurance that if you go with that company, things are going to go well. And so doing that is kind of, you know, your backup plan. It's, it's, it's how you, when you make, like when something happens, you see that you want to right or wrong. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, for any business, it's essential to understand that conversations are now happening all the time. And if someone chooses to not use the tools to listen to those, it's a huge mistake. And I think, you know, ultimately some of the best companies or the best brands are by default, the best listeners, meaning, you know, the iPhone one is very, very different uh, from the iPhone, you know, that they have now, the X, XX Max, 
Um, and it's it's all that has come from listening to consumers and what they want, you know, bigger phones, better battery life, more features. Um, it didn't start with the best product right from day one, but they were able to continually make it uh, and generate sales and grow and build that loyalty and trust by listening to the consumers as they were talking. Um, and it's okay, I think, for businesses to get feedback that is negative because ultimately that's the opportunity for what you need to improve or what you, what you could do to win them over. Well, I mean, you you are preaching to the choir yeah. <laughs> because uh, again, I'm, I'm going to use Loomly as an example here, yeah. but not the product, I mean, the brand and the company. Um, one of the things that we do at Loomly is that we speak with over 100 customers and users every single day through the chat, over email. Actually people, you know, every single person who actually signs up for an account at Loomly receives an email from me. Yes, it's an automated email, but whenever you respond to it, it directly lands into my inbox and chances are you will receive an answer by, you know, maybe within an hour, maybe if I'm sleeping a couple of hours, yeah. but I will respond to everything. All this to say that, you know, these hundred people talking to us every single day, when you kind of, you know, when you aggregate their feedback, you have a pretty clear picture of what they want. And so this is exactly what our roadmap is made of, which is, you know, every single day people say, hey, I need this feature. I have this bug. Can you fix this usability issue? Uh, that competitor is doing that. Can you do it too? And then we just, you know, we, we basically have a very simple uh, dashboard and we just, you know, mark counts of how, yep. how often a feature is requested. And that is basically what has been driving our roadmap for the past three or four years. And, and I think that, you know, it, it's also part of the brand. And, and if you read the reviews about our company and our brand, you will see that people say that we never uh, cease to uh, improve and listen to the feedback. And I think that's a very important part of building a brand. How do you think social media can contribute to either a brand crisis or potentially rumors about a brand? I mean, anyone can say anything they want about anything. So if something does get said and it starts to get shared, a perfect example would be um, one of the first guests we had uh, on this is a guy named Zoli who um, came on to talk about how he got a deal on Shark Tank. Uh, like a week ago, he was out on Hollywood and he took a video of James Corden and Justin Bieber oh, driving in the car. Really? That was his video. Okay. And so he was there and saw him and said, oh, you know, and they were, it was uh, the carpool karaoke. They were being towed, And right? they were being towed. And he was like, oh, this is why I have trust issues. Everything I feel like about, you know, that I've been told has been a lie. And immediately someone that followed him posted it that had a really big account. And then it started to get tons of coverage. And immediately became this this huge, everyone was posting it. I think he was saying it got like 17 or 19 million views on his video. And eventually James Corden on his show went to talk about here's what's going on. So, I mean, in his world, it is some extent a crisis of people don't believe that what we do is real or I now have to stop and address this. So, you know, in that example, you know, what are some of the, the tips that you would give to a business if they find themselves in that scenario. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's a fantastic example. Uh, actually, I had a, I had a lot of fun actually watching the, the James Gordon's response to that, yeah. and I think it was actually pretty good. Yeah, um, I agree. Well, what, what we like to say is that usually when something like that happens, when a crisis happens, uh, you want to use the, the three A's framework. You want first to uh, you know acknowledge what happened. You don't want to, to, you know, to, to just do like, you know, to put your hand in the sand and, and just say, oh, no, I, I didn't know. Uh, you want to apologize, apologize sorry, to everyone you may have offended or, you know, who feel offended. 
And three, you want to address, you want to explain how you're going to fix it uh, so that it doesn't happen again. And I think that, you know, what James Corden did was actually pretty interesting. He, he basically, I mean, it's entertainment. It's a bit different. Uh-huh. So he, and he is also a funny guy. So he had to uh, play, you know, his, his part. Uh, but basically he, he, he kind of said, yes, sometimes we tow the truck. We tow the Range Rover because, you know, maybe I'm drunk or uh-huh. maybe we have to change our costumes or maybe we are doing a choreography. So what do you want us to do? Do you want us to just like not, you know, yeah. uh, like not do that? Or do you want us to take a risk on, on public road? I mean, we have to tow. And I think he was basically saying, yes, we do that sometimes. Um, he also said, here is the list of, you know, the episodes where we actually did have to tow for this reason. And there were maybe like, I don't know, like less, less than 10. And then he said, here is the list of the ones where we didn't. And it was like, maybe, I don't know, 100. So uh-huh. it was it was also, you know, a nice way to say, we're not lying to you. But regardless of that, he basically also, he apologized. He said, I'm sorry if you felt like that. He kind of introduced like a nuclear uh, level of sarcasm saying that, you know, uh, he was not really going to work and the celebrities were not really helping him go to work, which I found very, you know, very yep. funny because um, it, it was pretty, a pretty nice way to, to put it. And then he, uh, he um, you know, he, he basically also addressed it uh, and he said it will, it will happen again. Uh, we, but, you know, that's, that's, that's how things are. Yeah, no, I thought it was so fascinating because I think a couple things he did joke about was that he was like, this video has gotten more views than some of the episodes that we've created. Uh, And he did, you know, he went right through them. You know, he acknowledged, hey, I understand there's an issue. Here it is. People are talking about uh, this. He he did apologize. And, you know, he went and said, I'm sorry for that. And then, you know, he addressed it and said, here's what we're going to be doing moving forward. I mean, so does that work for kind of everything? Because to some extent, it does feel like everyone's in this uproar, like, yay, look, look at what we've been lied to. And he's like, no, here's here's what's going on. And people are like, oh, okay. And they kind of just walk away. It's not a big deal anymore. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're trying to escape it, uh, whatever the problem is, you know, if you have a, like a quality issue, uh, if you have like, you know, um, just like a, a brand, just like, you know, like distrust, like the first thing is, yeah, this is what happened. This is why it happened. Uh, we are sorry that that happened to you. Here is what we can do to fix it. So sometimes it can be a discount. It can be a replacement for the product. Yep. Um, it can be just, you know, like a refund, whatever, you know, it takes, because in a way you, you made a promise as a brand, you didn't, uh, you know, you didn't keep it. That just yep. happened. It's just, it's just life. It's just business. Um, and so, so, but that's what you can do to protect your brand. You can yep. say, yes, we screwed up. We are sorry. Uh, here is what we can do to fix it for you. And we and we hope that you know that's that works for you, uh, and and I think that you know this is this kind of very positive attitude. It, it basically builds trust over time, and what it it, it does again is is what I was saying earlier is that if tomorrow you have to make a new purchase decision, you are going to say yes. Sometimes go wrong, but that's the case with pretty much every brand. So I would rather go with the brand that actually owns their mistakes and fix them for me. Yeah, all oh, for sure. And I, I'd say an example of this. You know, I used to have a, a Toyota Prius. Um, and the headlights, the light bulbs would burn out like every three months, which is way too often, but I just, I don't, I don't know a lot about cars. So I just go replace them and keep going. But every three months, and this happened for probably two, three years. And I was like, man, I don't know. Something must be wrong, but I just didn't want to fix it. And eventually I get a notice from Toyota, from Toyota that says, Hey, we have a recall. There's an issue causing your headlights to go out, bring it in. We'll take care of it. Um, and from that point on, you know, it didn't, it wasn't a problem anymore. And, you know, while I was a little grumpy, like I had to buy lights, the fact that a, the brand came and said, look, Hey, there's a problem. 
we need to, to fix this to make it right. Um, and I was like, man, like I trusted them more being like, would I, if I now get to go pick which car I want, they're up a notch over the other people because they ultimately said, we care about you. There was an issue, we resolved it for you and we want to move forward. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's a very, very interesting example because we feel like, you know, your brand is, is not only what you say as a company um, or even like how you react when you when you screw up. That's, yeah. that's the second part, that's what we just covered. But it's also what people say. And, uh, and you know, this is again a very a interesting good, example good because quote, yeah. because what you are saying now is you're talking about them on your show, although it started with a problem. And so that says a lot because you know you are basically contributing to the trust in their brand by doing that. And that's a very ex you know interesting example where uh, a mistake can turn into actually some brand loyalty and trust. I love it. I love it. As we kind of bring the you know the episode to a close today, are there any final you know takeaways or advice that you would give? Uh, to other businesses about how to how to build and how to protect their brand that they they need to take away with them today. Well, yeah, I think you know we've 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 covered a lot. Um, I think it's it's you know again like tell your story. That's very important. Uh, like you know stick to uh, to who you are and what your brand is, and 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 just you know find your niche and 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 speak to them uh, honestly. That's that's the number one. Number two is is basically you know. Um, listen to everything that, that, that is said and respond as much as you can. And number three is measure, which is just another way of, of listening. So I think that's that's kind of um, of you know, the, the basics. Um, and but more and more things that I see today is that, you know, like, you know, pretty much e everyone and their grandmother is, is launching a brand or a startup or fundraising yeah. and these kind of things. And and I think that's kind of one of you know the flip sides of, you know, this this new world where you know everything can happen and, and you and I we, we basically just said that it's 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 incredible and it's a lot of opportunities but it can also be overwhelming if you're just starting and you're like oh yeah I'm, and I'm just I have a hundred followers or I have like you know ten customers but I see this company they are raising a hundred million dollars I mean I think that doesn't really matter and and that's probably you know one of the things that we've learned along the way is that Rome wasn't built in a day. Uh, so you have to take every single step, one after the other. And what matters is not comparing your brand or yourself to competition or to your peers or to someone you know. It's, you know, the only thing that matters is that you keep moving forward. And that you, what you need to measure is your progress, like yeah. who you are versus, you know, yesterday, uh, who you were, and, and rather than who you are today versus who your neighbor is today. Because what matters at the end of the day is are you going to keep moving and, and growing? And that's that's what matters the most. Oh, I love it. Such fantastic advice. Tebow. well, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, it was a pleasure to have you here. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Duke of Digital podcast with Brian Meert. Want to network with other business owners? Join our exclusive group at facebook.com slash groups slash Duke of Digital. Fancy the Duke? Leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app and you could be mentioned on the show. The Duke of Digital was produced by Advertise Mint and recorded in Hollywood, California.